0: This is Upstate's Health Link on Air, Linda Cohen along with you. Well, there's been much written about how one's occupation can affect one's health. And now a continuing study of low-wage workers in central New York suggests that many suffer from physical ailments and mental health issues as a result of their work. We'll hear with more of all on all of this is Jeanette Seckler. She's a project manager for the Occupational Health Clinical Centers and also the the lead researcher for the Low-Wage Workers' Health Project. Welcome, Jeanette. Thanks so much for coming in.
1: Hi, it's my pleasure.
0: So low-wage workers are at risk for certain health issues. Explain that.
1: Well, anyone's work um, makes them have various exposures. Some work is more dangerous than others. And what we're looking into is when you think about various occupations that only um, are giving people less than a living wage, they tend to have certain characteristics that cause poor health. And that can range from poor air quality to poor um, ergonomics. We could have physical factors on the job that influence health and also mental factors on the job that influence uh, the worker's health. And so we're in a new economy. We're curious about how the low-wage worker – you know, is impact, how it, how their work does impact their health. But it's because the jobs are so varied, we have different kinds of exposures. So
0: what exactly is the Low Wage Workers Health Project? I mean, what is this thing that you're undertaking right now?
1: So we made a collaborative effort out of the Occupational Health Clinical Center, which is um, centered here in Syracuse. We wanted to um, look into and identify just exactly who are the low-wage workers in our community. We wanted to place their workers within a historical context. We wanted to demonstrate the severity of occupational health problems that the workers are facing and ultimately the goals of the project long term are to create a call for solutions about these occupational health problems consider the uh, impact of low wages on health and possibly improve uh, wage rates Um, and and really what we're finding is that we need to think about the rights workers have in the workplace and whether or not they're able to exercise them in the event that there is a a threat to their health uh, that occurs at work.
0: So this is an ongoing study. Mm-hmm. It's been ongoing for now. How many years? Well,
1: we started thinking about this in 2012, but this we've completed the second year of, of work on this issue.
0: So the mission basically is to identify who these people are,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what types of illnesses they confront, and then to perhaps help promote some changes To the whole environment, their environment, and even the the economy at large, Mm -hmm. to to um, change the impact.
1: That's right. There's a lot of different levels of solutions. You know, immediate solutions and then long term. So, who are these workers? Tell me how you define low wage. Well, for the purposes of what we're interested in, when someone can't make a living wage, we define them as a low wage worker. And of course, it's difficult to put labels and names on these things, but. When we go in the community and find people are not able to make it, make a living without resorting to government help, then we consider them to be um, not making a living wage. And we use the MIT Living Wage Calculator, which is developed by um, economists, to think about this on a local basis. So it's considered for this county. At the time that we were doing the work, um, $14 an hour was the sort of dividing line Uh, for a single person, actually. So part of what we were looking into was to find out from workers themselves how they felt about this definition and whether or not it matched with their own reality. So we we were able to ask questions about that. So a key factor in some of this was not
0: only the dollar amount, but also perhaps whether they had the need to engage in governmental assistance of some kind. That was another
1: requirement of that definition. So um, how did this study get started, though? Well, for a long time, the Occupational Health Clinical Center has been interested in how occupations change over the course of history. So in our history, we had more manufacturing jobs. And these days, we have more of a service-oriented economy. You're talking and in, about now locally in yeah, this Yeah, locally in, in our counties. We do sure. serve 26 counties. But thinking about Onondaga County and the Syracuse area, we wanted to think about some of the national trends we were seeing with de-skilling labor and um, sort of a Uh, basically a proliferation of lousy jobs or less meaningful or less satisfying jobs um, that that, also have poor conditions associated with them. So those are basically unskilled Mm -hmm. workers. Mm -hmm. Often, yeah. There's not much education required to get into these jobs. There's a lot of temporariness around the jobs that – People call it precarious. The work is not steady necessarily. It doesn't lead to a, a career path that one might aspire to, or have a journey in which there's a profession that's pursued, or even a trade. Or you know, it's often um, what people think of as a dead end job, right? So there's this there's this dis disincentive to continue in the the field. Say you're not really training to apprentice. Very often the work is um, you know, the, the basic work going on in communities, serving people food. I was going to say, give us, you know, some,
0: give us a couple of examples of You know, those these categories. sectors
1: are, you know, serving people food, serving people in the medical setting, um, moving people around in the hospital, taking care of the laundry inside of a, a medical facility. Perhaps people are going out into homes and caring for the elderly. Um, so home health aides. We also have seen Um, the lowest end of the construction. So the person who's assigned to help, who just... Um, it's a temporary job, maybe for a for a short period of time. They a uh, firm may need extra help, um, so there is a temporary nature to these jobs and sort of a, a low skill uh, oriented fast food um, servers. Of course, the classic would be retail um, How cashiers. How about people like house mm. cleaners or office cleaners? Cleaners often as well. Yeah, there's a number of occupations that are um, pretty commonly seen. Um, and so we'll be looking into those more. I mean, also agricultural workers, if we get in the rural areas, but migrant, within the city, we don't see that much um, temporary
0: migrant worker type
1: people. Sure, from. of course, yeah, out in. If you're just joining areas.
0: us, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm Linda Cohen, along with pu- public health researcher Jeanette Zeckler, and we're
1: talking about the health problems of low-wage workers. How many workers did you study? Well, over two years' time, we've had a chance to interface with over 450 workers in the Syracuse area. The first year, we did a survey in which we asked um, them specific questions about their work, and in the second year, we were able to have conversations with groups uh, around tables and discuss their problems at length. So, the, b- between the two, I think we got a pretty—we're starting to get a good picture of the kinds of struggles. That the workers are facing on the job with regard to their health and with regard to the entire context of what it means in their lives.
0: So first let's talk about what kind of health problems you found and then I'd like to talk about what you think contributed to creating those problems.
1: Well I think what we see overall is a num- uh, you know a good percentage of people are having symptoms or pain during uh, as a result of their work so some 30 to 38 percent of people depending on how we asked it reported that they were having symptoms or pain frequently as a result of their work that they were connecting to their work now this isn't getting them into the doctor's office yet this is a kind of pain people cope with on the daily basis Then when we asked about like
0: backaches, oh absolutely, headaches, you
1: definitely see the majority of the problems are musculoskeletal, feet aching, knees, shoulders, backaches. There were also headaches. There were. Um, difficulties breathing. And one of the striking things about this is that people are often having multiple symptoms, not just one. So when you combine a couple of things are hurting or bothering you, um, that sort of um, compounds. And I think when we saw the figure at seventeen and a half percent who would uh, did seek medical attention for their um, either injury or illness that was related to their work. So in our minds, looking at that difference, people saying they're having some problems, but they don't go to the doctor yet. We're thinking we need to find ways to prevent them from needing to seek um, help. It also strikes me that perhaps their
0: lack of access or their lack of um, uh, finding medical help or seeking medical help could also have to do with either access, whether it has to do
1: with insurance or Mm -hmm. any other uh, barriers to that. Right, and the barriers that that people face are very strong with accessing healthcare, and especially in a situation where you're going to need to use the workers' compensation system, and people are very concerned that they'll seem like a weak employee, and they're very concerned they'll lose their job. And that is a very real problem. There isn't an avenue, often, in the workplace for finding, you know, bringing the attention to the problem with the employer. So there's not Um, as much strong pathway there's not training you know about what to do in the event of your health being threatened on the job well that also leads me to this whole notion of so what are the factors
0: that may be causing these emotional physical disabilities or problems with the low-wage worker I mean you mentioned something like uh, precariousness so that they don't have a sense of security in the job the fact that they may not see a future Mm -hmm. in this type of job Obviously, there are other more physical kinds of things, too, like Mm -hmm. perhaps exposure to harmful chemicals, for example, right. or not knowing their own rights. To help us understand right. that. Right.
1: So before we were talking about sort of a big picture, you know, look at, you know, whether or not there's meaning in their lives, maybe they're having difficulty escaping from poverty and they're feeling disrespect on the job. But the devil's really in the details as you're starting to go down that path. What, what these low-wage workers face, we're finding, is that the hours that they're required to work are uh, very, They vary a lot and they're very unpredictable and often unworkable with uh, family life, especially if people have to work two or three jobs. So there's either too many hours, not enough hours or constantly shifting around hours, uh, shift work as well. Then so the that phys- whole notion of unpredictability and sure. stress, with in terms of making it work with life, so to that's speak. correct. Yeah, and then physical conditions. Of course, we saw dangerous exposures. We saw people um, being exposed to bloodborne pathogens. We we observed, you know, people telling us about their exposures to dust, animal, um, animal. Uh, Problems. There were others, you know, when you're talking about an office worker who works long hours at a desk, then you have very different exposure problems. And then, of course, very often there's lifting, uh, inappropriate lifting because they're in a rush. And there's a sense that the workers haven't been trained uh, properly to manage the job that they're doing. And there's also mental conditions. Um, many of the workers report. Uh, co-worker mistreatment workplace bullying the boss may be especially authoritarian or and one of the most troubling things is that people will report that there's sort of an unknown expectation of what they're supposed to be doing how long they'll be engaged to do it and what the work arrangements really are so and they're not that, sure, you know, where so they a stand. Sense of disempowerment is of what I'm hearing. Yeah, and the work arrangements are are vague often. So many of us would never take a job like this, where we might get to stay or leave, or you know, we're not sure what the hours or the rate of pay really is going to be. But people feel pressured to take these kind of conditions, and so. Those uh, things combine to put people at risk for when there is a physical threat in the workplace. There's a lot of, as you said, disempowerment. They're not able to find a way to speak up or address it themselves. They put up with, you know, conditions.
0: It sounds to me like they may not even be aware of what their rights might be or what avenues might exist for Some
1: kind of a complaint or a protest. So people have, you know, uh, experienced wage theft in a number of ways. Almost half, 48 percent wage theft occurs when you're not paid what you agreed to be paid. And this happens in a number of ways.
0: I don't want to run out of time. What do you hope to come from this? You alluded to it in the very beginning Mm -hmm. of our conversation that you
1: thought that something would change in our community. Tell us about your hopes. Well, I think that we'll be looking at this in a sustained way over time because there are short and middle and long-range goals that we can have. The short-range goals are that our um, Occupational Health Clinical Center has staff on hand who can create educational um, opportunities for low-wage workers, and we'll be addressing some of the needs that were raised. But middle-range and long-term, we need policies that change the way uh, work and the quality of jobs uh, in our communities are developed. And right now you're going to be meeting with the
0: governor coming up at some point to talk about some of these issues and hope that there may be some some co- policy changes as a mm-hmm. result.
1: Yes, the governor has a exploitation of workers. He's concerned about this. He has a task force that he's calling together, and we've been helping figure out some problem solutions.
0: Thank you so much, Jeanette. My guest has been Jeanette Zeckler. She has been the lead researcher in the um, low-wage workers health project and was kind enough to come in and share all this very interesting and important research with us. Thanks again. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.